You keep going. Okay, good. All right. Uh, so, in case you're wondering why we're doing all those dun 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 duns, um, that uh, is the theme from, or one of the songs from Manos, the Hands of Fate. Yes. Or AKA Hands, the Hands of Fate. Yeah, Manos, the Hands of Fate was basically a film made on a bet with a fertilizer salesman from Texas named Hal Warren. Yes. And it would have died a very quiet death had it not been for a certain television show. Yes. Which we now know as Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, so... It was known as Mystery Science Theater 3000 back then, too, so... Yeah, it's... In a way, it's kind of ironic, in a way... Or, it's, no, it's it, not kind of. It is, because... You, you, almost, you, you sometimes hear about this success story where this film got reintroduced to the public and it got re-recognized as like a classic film yeah it's become like a security for a while yeah you hear about the hidden gems so to speak you hear about uh a movie like blade runner died a a a, a pretty quick death at the box office but over time it's become so beloved whereas manos it it very easily could have gone into obscurity and manos is like toxic waste that was buried out in the (laughs) desert but someone went out and dug it up again just to see if it was there, and then they made a show based on it. I know, and now though the the movie's more popular than it ever would have been, like on its own, yes. by like leaps and huge bounds. Yeah, and I almost wonder is that is that a bad thing? The fact that, or maybe it's just because we know that it's crap, so let's make fun of it. I think it's not a bad thing because what we're talking about today is Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yes, which right now, as we speak, and will always be speaking as you listen to this podcast repeatedly. We, 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 I've always been speaking, Andrew. Yes. I've always You been have there. always been the podcast host. Yes. I should know. In this hotel. Yes. Um, but right now, it's having a Kickstarter. To that's make right. Not only to make more episodes, but to hopefully get picked up again yeah, for this, television broadcast. Yeah, this is going on for the next couple of weeks as we're podcasting. Uh, there are another 18 days. Yeah, there's another 18 days to go. Uh, right now, they are they have passed their $2 million mark. That means they're going to make three new episodes of Mystery Science Theater. I mean, they're going to get new movies. Well, new old terrible movies. Yes. And, and riff them. And then, if they get more money, they're going to make more episodes. They're Which hoping to get $5.5 million. They'll make a whole season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. 12 episodes. That's right. And, of course... Uh, uh, you know that would be pretty delightful because they would also bring back, I think, a lot of the same writer writers in the team behind it. Right, they've welcomed back anybody who worked on the show who's who's willing to uh, work on it again, with the exception of the Rift Tracks people because they're jerks. No, they're, <laughs> they're no, no, no. They they do their own thing, which is basically mystery science theater. Right. I mean, they in a way, I almost look at. Not that Mystery Science Theater, I think, would still be popular today if it had just been itself, but I think that Rift Tracks, it's like you can't downplay how important that was to kind of keeping the sort of riff comedy, you know, spirit alive. Right. It became harder as Mystery Science Theater went on to get more movies because they had to pay for the rights in order yeah. to broadcast them, and they had to, uh, you know, 
and they had to deal with rising prices because, you know, this became a little more profitable. Yeah, well, originally it started off... I mean, I don't know how much you know about the origin of the show, but of all people, we have, I think, Charlton Heston to thank for Mystery how Science so? Theater. Well, I remember hearing in an interview once that Joel Hodgson, you know, created Mystery Science Theater. Right. He watched a movie called The Omega Man. And I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but there's this whole sequence early in the film where, you know, it's the post-apocalypse. Charlton Heston's just driving around town, shooting at vampires and cloaks and whatever it is. And he stops at a movie theater, and we get the sense that he's been watching this over and over again, and he just knows how to do it. He threads up Woodstock, and he just sits in the theater kind of talking to the screen. And <laughs> like part of it, I think he's almost sort of talking to it but like talking along with it but also talking at the movie and joel hodgson said that it was because of that that put sort of the seed in his brain of uh yeah what if you kind of do that with a not good movie yeah i think that there are other influences too i mean what what's important to point out is that mystery science theater comes out of comedy like that's really a big thing if I mean, stand-up comedy. Well, yeah, in, in big part. Well, stand-up comedy also, I guess, just, you know, regular old comedy. Not like skits. I mean, there are skits in Mystery Science Theater. And I don't know about you, but the skits... How do you feel about the skits? Some of them are funny, but some of them, they fall a little flat. Yeah, they're pretty clever. They're clever, But, yeah. I mean, they were always meant to kind of bridge to bridge things i mean the, the main show was always the film yeah absolutely i mean uh and you couldn't get a better show than that what uh do you have any memory of what got you hooked into it like what yes here my i have a very distinct memory yeah. of the first time i ever because i have a kind of a boring theater. story but go ahead all right well i'll soften the blow <laughs> i was in it was my first year of college okay and i was just i don't know where i was that evening like maybe i was at a class and i came home like late at night yeah and my roommate our mutual friend yeah. uh -huh. he was watching this thing on the lap on his laptop and it was apparently and i didn't know what to make of it but uh, there was this, this movie going on and there are these little silhouettes in the bottom and he, he's like this is mystery science theater 3000 this is manos the hands of fate and i don't know how i reacted but i got more this was before YouTube was like a huge mm -hmm. thing, and I like anytime I found a video clip, I, I watched it, and I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, and I got DVDs after that, and you know more clips were uploaded to the internet, and from then on, I was hooked because apparently Mr. Sci Mystery Science Theater had been a thing that had happened and gone while my life was going on. So you never tuned into it when you were younger. No, I never had cable when I was younger. You poor man. So yeah. you never even heard of the movie. Because there was the Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, no, as well. never heard Where of they riffed the Silent Earth. Um, but fun fact, I believe that I was the one that gave uh, our mutual friend a copy of that. It's uh, probably, So, yeah. I, in an interesting way, I helped spur on your Mystery Science Theater love. Yeah. The funny like, thing, though, for me, you're though... You're like my father. <laughs> no, dude, I know your father. He works down the street. <laughs> sorry that's an in joke um i i just i i would see the show here and there when i was younger i it was weird when i i think i was too young for it at the time mm -hmm. like it's because i think a lot of the humor in mystery science theater i mean some of it's silly 
but some of it is very sophisticated. They make a lot of references and things that to, to people like Walter Mondale and <laughs> Walter Mondale and other obscure figures in history. They make references to like Tarkovsky films here and there. <laughs> this is like a bad Antonioni movie. Oh, you mean like an Antonioni movie? <laughs> <laughs> they there was actually a joke in right before he came over here. I was watching a little bit of. Uh, dinosaur plant what the hell king dinosaur king dinosaur thank you it was one of those dinosaur movies and um tom servo made a sort of joke because they heard that there was someone said miller it's like ha ah, like miller's crossing the the, <laughs> the coen brothers movie he had to explain himself <laughs> in case anybody didn't get it um so when i was younger it was on but i just it was like with my python i i have this embarrassing gap in my childhood where I just couldn't get into it. Um, well, although that... although I liked the movie quite a bit. I liked the Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Huh. And it, it's funny because me and my brother, we still have uh, an in-joke here and there where we, uh, in the end credits of all things, because yeah. they're, they're riffing the end credits of the movie. and Of their own movie. Yeah, their own movie. And, uh, you know, the copyright logo comes up and, you know, Eastman color. Yeah. And Tom Servo goes, Eastman! He came from the East to, to fight, fight the, the mighty, mighty Rando! Rando. <laughs> Which, you know, for those listening, you might not even know what Rando is, but I think that's a reference to something in the movie, In right? the credits. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's what Mystery Science Theater, they, what they would do. They would make jokes, but they would also sometimes make jokes about things they watched like in the movie a few minutes before. Yeah. Um, I had a similar so, experience to you with Monty Python, just worth bringing it up. Okay. I couldn't get into Monty Python when I first saw it. Oh, I was like, thank I you. was in grade school and my, my friends that had all these episodes like, Oh, this is really funny. And like, here's Holy Grail and all these things. And things were kind of funny, but I didn't like get what it meant. Yeah. I had no idea what sketches were yeah. and why did that scene <clears throat> end? And then we went into something completely different. Yeah, I should have been the right audience for when I wa I saw Par of Holy Grail when I was 13, and I just, I don't know what it was. I mean, I loved comedy, but I, I don't know. Like, but then I turned 20, and all of a sudden it's like things opened up. Yeah, and I think I saw Mystery Science Theater right about this right time, because yeah. I had taken a, a course in high school where, where it was talking about how to really analyze and look at movies. Okay. And so I was more aware of cinema, and then... Yeah. You know, our friend, he, he introduced me to a lot of great movies yes. that I love now. And I was at that moment where movies became a much bigger part of my life. And then Mystery Science Theater comes in where it says, okay, and it's like, okay, your friend is showing you all the great movies. Yeah. We're going to do, we're going to show you all the crappy movies and we're going to make it fun. It's like that, <laughs> it's like in your life how that there are things that, you know, sometimes things come in phases. And for me, I think that the second phase where I really fell in love with Mystery Science Theater did come with Manos. And I, I heard about mm. that because on IMDb, of course, you know, they have the top 250, but they also have the bomb 100. Yeah. And Manos was always either at number one or number two. And I'm like, what? what is this movie? So I got the DVD of Mystery Science Theater and Manos the Hands of Fate. And I'm like, Wow, this is the worst movie I have ever seen in my oh, life. Yeah. I mean, if you watch, guy, fellas out there, if you watch Man of the Hands of Fate, and by the way, we can sort of, in a weird way, thank Mystery Science Theater because they have now restored Manos the Hands of Fate. Yes. It's going to be coming out to Blu-ray soon. Yeah. If it hasn't already. 
which I've heard actually makes the movie look even weirder <laughs> because <laughs> seeing the movie cleaned up, you actually see even more mistakes yeah. and you see things that, you know, it's like, okay, this movie should have been kept in the dark. Um, yeah. You know, cause so much of that movie, again, it's a movie narrated by like the, all the voices are recorded by two men and one woman. Yeah. So the, the voice of like the mother has the same voice as the little girl and, <laughs> uh, and all the other, uh, the master's women. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a film that was clearly put together with bubblegum and spit. Uh, by a person who didn't know what bubblegum and spit were. Although, if you read articles, it, you, I should send you an article about making of the movie because Hal Warren did think that he was like this legitimate artiste, <laughs> and uh, and meanwhile, the actor who played Torgo was on LSD for like the whole movie and actually messed up his knees because he tried to be a satyr but did it wrong. Yeah, and miss and this film would have disappeared yeah. quite rightly so, mm-hmm. but then. These guys came in, and according to them, I've watched also the behind-the-scenes on How Mystery Science Theater, their reaction to the movie. They apparently got this tape seemingly from some, like, it, it got mailed to them, as a lot of movies did. And they're like, what, what is this, Manos? The, the Hands of Fit? And was, they, they, all, they said they all sat around watching this and were like, what is this? Yeah. Like, even compared to other movies they had watched already, because that was early on, I think, when Joel was still there. You're right. Um, and yeah, that, that's what made me reconnect with it. And then in our film club, uh, one day, uh, the host, uh, John Lazaration showed, uh, part of Red Zone Cuba, oh. which, oh man. Uh, so who's the director of that? He also did Beast of Yucca Flats. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Coleman Francis. Oh yeah. Coleman Francis, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the master auteur of, um, crap. Um, but, and then mystery science theater, I compared it a while ago. I think in our first episode, I talked about mystery science theater when we were talking about bad movies Yeah, and a bad movie is always bad. Yeah. But mystery science theater is kind of like a mad scientist that digs up these terrible movies, gives them these prosthetic bionic limbs and brings it back to life even better than it was before. Well, it's like it's like somehow turning trash into gold while it's still trash. It's well, trashiness com- like co- uh, contributes to its goldiness. Well, it's one thing if you were to watch the movie by itself, and you might oh, find, yeah, that... and you might find some things you might find some things funny about it and to laugh about it, but then you might also need that commentary. Like, yeah, I it's sheer drudgery to watch. Uh, like oh, some movies there are also it's funny though because there have been a couple movies that um i took my mom to see a couple of rift tracks live movies mm-hmm. and like a couple of times she said wow i loved that experience i almost wish i could have heard the dialogue at a couple of points where they were talking <laughs> over just because you know if you're watching the room you almost have to experience the room by itself before you get the yeah the rift tracks um and uh, we, so we should say that uh, during the run of Mystery Science Theater, there were two hosts. There was Joel, who created the show, and then he left, and uh, Mike Nelson came in. Yeah. Uh, here, so here's a question for you. You're uh, not going to my... ask me which one's better, are you? Not, not necessarily Good. which one's. All right, all right. I won't. I won't follow up on that either. <laughs> well, I was about to say though. Well, let's talk about the differences. Well, here's what I was going to say. Joel 
is much more, and this is going to rhyme, Joel is much more droll. Okay. You know, he's a little bit more laid back. He's kind of the guy who, when Manos was playing at times, I think you just heard him go, <sighs> Manos. Manos. Manos, yeah. Whereas Mike, I feel like, is more, he's, he's a natural comic performer. He's just somebody who's constantly making jokes. He's the guy who's, you know, he, he's just funny. He almost can't help himself but making sarcastic comments that hit all the time. He like, feels more put upon, I think, by the films, where Joel could kind of run, roll with things. Joel was a little Mike. bit more sardonic. Like, there were times where you watch a Mr. Science Theater, and I never saw Mike do this, but sometimes Joel would, like, reach up to the screen yeah. and do little things. Like, like in the in the dinosaur movie I was watching, he... Like, there was a part where they're showing a really shitty burning building, which was like a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. And he puts his hands up to it as if to, like, warm his hands. Yes. <laughs> Doing things like that. I'm sure you've seen him, them do that, those kind of things. Yeah, where they try to, where they pretend they're interacting with the screen. There was one where Joel stood up and, like, pretended he was wiping down the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the slightly, yeah. So, it's not like anyone is exactly better. It's just they have a different approach. Oh, yeah. They're different. Yeah. But, yeah. So, this new, this new Mystery Science Theater, though, is going to get a new host. Yeah, that's the, the, the Kickstarter's part. gone on. They're, they they've reached their uh, goal where they're going to make three episodes. Yeah, that's great. Uh, hopefully, they'll make more. But right now, they've chosen the new host. Is uh, his name is Jonah Ray. He's apparently a comedian. I don't yes. know much about it. Yeah, and also Felicia Day may be involved. Yeah, Felicia Day is is supposed to play the mad scientist, who, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Um, but, I remember hearing, I remember on my Twitter, one person complained though, like, it won't be Mystery Science Theater without the, is, it, is his name Misty? Or the, the big, like, morning Mike! Morning! You know, like the big, like, uh... Gypsy. Gypsy. Misty. Gypsy. Jeez. Um, I've had a long day. Um, <laughs> like, if Gypsy's not on the show, it's not really Mystery Science Theater. Which is one of those, like, purest statements that's really... <laughs> But there have always been things like that. I mean, I've I have a, the book. There was a Mystery Science Theater episode guide. Oh, okay. Not like a novel. <laughs> no, no, no. It just showed you all of the movies. Yeah, it told you about all the movies and like which ones which and certain things written by the the writers of the show. And early on, maybe like after the first season, they replaced Tom Servo's voice. Uh, they replaced him well, with Kevin, Kevin Murphy. Murphy, and he um, and they got ton a lot of fan mail that said, "I hate Tom Servo's new voice," but you can't think of anybody else doing that. Now. No, I, it's and funny then, because I can't even. I I'm sure I've watched episodes with Tom Servo and the first guy who played him, but I can't remember how he sounded. I think no, I do, I do remember him sounding like very different. Yeah, and then the voice of Crow got replaced uh, a little bit after Mike got on the show. Yeah. And, and Mystery Science Theater has this constant turnover of actors and characters yeah. and things like that. But and, and, and you, anytime someone yeah. who says now, like, oh, why isn't Joel coming back? Why isn't Mike coming back? And who's this new guy? It's all part of this. Here's, here's the, the, the main uh, point is, are you funny? Yeah. You have to be funny, because if you're not funny, then you're going to be sitting here watching a pretty dreadful film, which has really poor quality and may or may not be directed by Ed Wood or Coleman Francis or star Joe Don Baker. Yeah. <laughs> which, um, let's talk for a minute. What, what are a few, what are some of your, 
this might be a really tough question to ask. What are some of your favorite episodes? Well, one... Or movies, I guess. Uh, one that I always like watching is Monster Go-Go. Oh, boy. Because oh, in the episode so guide, they say that this was hands down the worst film they had ever seen. Worse than Manos? Yes. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, Monster Go-Go is bad. Don't get me wrong. Monster Go-Go really is, is a film that, it, during its production, they ran out of money and then they finished did... it several years later. Yeah. And it's it, it and that was so much later that <laughs> one of the actors had gone bald and looked totally different so they had to re so they had to cast that did actor they get the, did as they, a completely new character did they get the director's uh, chiropractor to play him with the <laughs> and, and then it, because in the middle of that film like the whole cast gets replaced by another group of characters <laughs> And yeah, this was a. It makes um, no sense. I looked it up just now. This originally, Herschel Gordon Lewis has an uncredited director credit on here. Oh man, if you go to IMDb, the first user review, you just see the words "My head hurts." Yeah, <laughs> but Monster Go Monster Go Go is so dismal, and it's. Oh no no no! It is. Uh, yeah yeah yeah! I'm seeing the trivia now. They consider it the worst film ever. And it should have faded into obscurity, like it like it was supposed to. But then it was brought back to life by Mystery Science Theory, and they do such a great job. And in the episode guide again, they talk about we were trying for every show we tried to write sketches that had something to do with the movie. Yeah. But for Monster Go Go, we we had no idea what the movie was about, <laughs> so we couldn't write any any sketches that had anything to do with the plot. Oh my god! And you see them, and they're like, and the sketches are just like. Uh, this one's about playing uh, keep away, and this one's about making cheese. <laughs> I opened I opened up a few I opened up a few lines uh, from the movie um, from the Mystery Science Theater. Uh, when we see the spaceship, Tom Servo, Douglas was pear shaped, very short, and stood the whole way. Yeah, this and, tiny space castle. Yeah, and um, uh, <laughs> when a couple is making out and a dog barks, he made her bark. <laughs> <laughs> one more and um, <laughs> um uh narrator the line between science fiction and science fact and bro science, science crap, crap. <laughs> was that the movie i do still remember there was one mystery science theater movie where at the end they booed yes that was the one that was the one okay there so that was <laughs> no monster yeah, they, they booed the end. That's that's when you know a movie's bad when Mystery Science Theater boos your ass off screen. That's that's one of my favorites. It's probably my most favorite. I, but the one that yeah, it is their best. Comic. But but the only one, but the only other one I can think of that I really love is Night of the Blood Beast. Hmm. Firstly, because it's preceded by this crazy short, which is ostensibly about telephones, but really just mentions them only tangentially. Oh yeah. And it's like it's called like Once Upon a Honeymoon or something, and it's just. It gets so crazy, and it could be best summed up by Crow's uh, comment: "Is that this should be the companion film to Eraserhead?" <laughs> but well, yeah, it's uh, I my one of my favorite lines is in Manos, where they're just they're not saying anything for a while, and at one point Crow turns to everybody and just says, "There are certain flaws with this movie." Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite thing from Manos is like nothing's happening on screen. Like, just one character is just barely moving, and then Joel just shouts, Do something! <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is with Manos, that movie is so popular that 
you know, you have the original MSG3K commentary, and then Rift Tracks came back and did their commentary live yeah. in theaters, which I can't decide. I don't know which is better. That's not even better. But I was just cracking up so much watching Manos again. Like, there's this one scene where the master is in, like, lying down, and it takes him, like, five minutes to stand up. Yes. Um, oh, Night God. of the Blood Beast, though. That's the one that has, like, all the Steves. Oh! Not, not everyone's name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor, like, mm. they keep cutting back to the doctor examining this corpse, and it's like, he's getting deader. Yep, still dead. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, um, uh, Mitchell. Mitchell. Oh, man. Where the Joe... The D- Joel Joe... episode. Oh, was that the last Joel episode? Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that one has Joe Don Baker as this, like... Is he a cop in that movie? He's I don't a think cop. he is. Yeah, he's and he's... Cop. He's, like, a weird, like... Worst cop ever. Yeah, basically the worst cop ever, and he's ha- has sex with these women. Yeah. And it's so gnarly because he... Joe Don Baker is just the, oh, he's the antithesis of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> like you wonder watching it, what they thought of that movie. Um, I know what Joe Don Baker was thinking. Oh, another I'm going to get paid. Oh, one of the very worst movies. Uh, the incredibly strange creatures mm. who got what was it mixed was, up? The incredibly strange st- creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Yeah, that's which, that's almost brief, which for a brief time held the record for longest movie title. Hmm. Yeah. That movie, that's almost as unwatchable as Monster Go-Go. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Monster Go-Go, though, has a special kind of incompetence. Oh, oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Monster Go-Go, that's like a Frankenstein monster of awful. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, you could go on and on about the movies that are so memorable. I mean, I... You can? All right. Well, before before we went on mic, I was reminding you of the movie where... (laughs) um, they just keep on coming up with names for uh, one of Space the... Mutiny. Yeah, Space Mutiny. Tell me, Dave. Slab Bulkhead. Fridge Large Meats. Hunt Speed Chunk. Butch Deadlift. <laughs> Bold Big Flank. Splint Chest Hair. Flint Iron Stag. Bolt Vander Huge. Thick McRunfast. <laughs> we put our faith in Blast Hard Cheese. Buff Drink Lots. <laughs> oh, Slab. Oh, oh, hunk. Oh, flink. Let's get out there! Kick the back! <laughs> Trunk slam chest! Fist rock bone! Stump beef knob! Smash lamp jaw! Um, Bob the, Johnson! Yeah. The funny thing is, Space Mutiny is one... Of, I, I I have to re-watch this movie at some point, because this is this was such a memorably, ba- memorably bad movie that... Um, uh, uh, the another show called Best of the Worst, uh, you know the the half in the bag red layer media guys. They did they reviewed this movie, ooh, and they said that it is just wow, yeah, like this movie. Um, you know you know who's in that? Who? John Philip Law. Oh yeah, yeah, of that's Sin- right. of the Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Danger Diabolic. Well, you can't have a career that goes on forever um yeah 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 um oh and uh cameron mitchell Mm. is in the movie and i think mitchell well different cameron different mitchell different mitchell um i mean some of the movies are they're not exactly the most memorable some of them like if you go i remember for a while on netflix i had a bunch of mystery science theaters saved and some of them just had like titles like werewolf (laughs) 
Yeah. And the crawling uh, hand. Laser blast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, in a way, so I think that we can kind of safely say that Mr. Science Theater changed popular culture. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a big way, because again, if you didn't have, I would say without mystery science theater, we wouldn't have most of the internet reviewers that we have today. People like, people like the nostalgia critic and the cinema snob and uh, nostalgia chick, red letter media, even red letter media. I mean, what were the, I mean, those basically those Mr. Plinkett reviews of star Wars, he's riffing on, He's do he he has his own character and he has in depth analysis of why the films don't work. He does, but, but he's still it, riffing on it. A lot of the comedy comes from his. What's his, wrong his with your face? Yeah, you know, and I, there's an entire yeah. subculture that we have, which is all about making fun of bad movies. Yeah, and it all stems from we, Mystery Science Theater. Mystery Science Theater trained a whole bunch of students, and they became mad scientists to reanimate yeah. these corpses. It's interesting when I I sometimes do come across someone, whether it's in person or online, who will say, "Oh, I don't like that stuff. I don't like making fun of bad movies. A bad movie is just bad." And I think we talked about this maybe in our when we talked about bad movies, I think that there is a place to have fun with a movie that, you know, again, nobody, people don't necessarily set out to make a bad movie. Sometimes people, unless you're Uwe Boll. Oh no, no. In that case you suck and you can go to hell. And I'm so glad that his career, by the way, has completely floundered because, Imploded. well, there's no, he, a lot of his movies are made because of German tax shelters. Uh, you know, he had these special sort of tax loopholes in Germany or whatever, and he got funding. But that is all over. And so now he, he's he been reduced to going on Kickstarter to try to make uh, his movies, and he's failing miserably, and he's yelling at his fans basically in videos. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, two of them. I know. Yeah, so I, I think that there's a difference between... Like for example, if you're if you're set with a very bad comedy, it's hard to riff that. Like a Meet the Spartans or one of those bad parody movies, it's that's just interminable. But if you get something like Birdemic, you know, it's that, that's almost a joy to watch. I'm so well, glad I mean, Birdemic exists in I mean, this that's world. Part, that's part of the uh, the formula of a great bad movie is sincerity. Yeah, yeah, you can't half-ass it. You know, like, the reason why Manos is so beloved is because, you know, they didn't go into it thinking, oh, we're going to, you know, have a little bit of fun. No, they went into it wanting to make a serious movie about a satanic cult. Yeah. (laughs) And, oh, man. I mean, granted, some of them, I mean, he's, I mean, they've they've covered, like, Roger Corman movies and stuff like that. I watched... Night of the Blood Beast is a Roger Corman film. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I also saw a movie called Swamp Women. That was a Carmen movie. They did a review of that. Oh, can I ask you a question? Sure. Has there been a movie that you've seen, but then you later saw what was a Mystery Science Theater episode? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. There's uh, only one that I can think of. I think that you for... watched that you watched before as its own movie, and then you watched as Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. I, let me look that up because I, I feel like I probably did, but I I there's one that I saw. I'm sure that there is. I just th- there were so many episodes. But go ahead. The one that I saw was Godzilla versus Megalon. Uh, well, that would make sense. I mean, that is yeah. Um, 
Did you, did, well, they review. They also did some Gamera movies. I'd never even heard of Gamera before Mystery Science Theater. Really? Yeah. I, all I knew one, was wasn't Godzilla. The, wasn't that one of the big monsters? I I'd never heard of him before that. So apparently, no. <clears throat> sure. There are more Gamera movies coming out, though. Did you know that? <laughs> Uh, I'm not surprised, considering uh, our state of uh, movies. By the way, did you know that Gamera is a friend to children? I did not know that. That's, yeah. that's very nice Gamera to know. Gamera is really neat. Um, I've seen well, I've seen movies obviously before Rift Tracks did them. Yeah, but uh, that's that's not that. Hard. Yeah, occasionally, yeah, with Rift Tracks now they they've kind of taken the leap and they review new movies. I, but, and that's the genius of their formula. They don't have to get the rights to anything. They just they, provide us yeah. an independent commentary yeah. track. They still do, by the way, they still do... Oh, I see the Godzilla versus Megalon thing. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla, I saw Featuring that... Featuring Godzilla's infamous flying kick. Yes. <laughs> I saw that when I, when I was into Godzilla. I, I had a Godzilla kick when I was like 10 years old. And, you know, I just watched everything. And then... And one of them was Godzilla versus Megalon, and right. I only saw it once, and I thought it wasn't very good because it had a stupid robot in it mm. for no reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I think that's the only film I've seen before I saw the Mystery Science Theater version. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's tough for me to find one at the moment. I uh I don't think they ever did um uh. Plan Nine from Outer Space. That was later. Rift Ooh, I crash. saw that first before I. No, they never did Plan Nine from Outer Space. No, I think that it might have been. Rift I, you know what? It, it. I think that they gave the reason for it too. They said that either either it was just too infamous, or maybe it was just. Oh, you know what it was? It was because there was too much dialogue. Hmm. Initially, I guess they found a way around it. Here's a question though: Was there a movie that they riffed that you almost kind of liked? Hmm. Because for me, it wasn't with it wasn't with uh, Mystery Science Theater, but there was one that Riff Tracks did that I kind of liked. There's one with Mystery Science Theater. I kind of like the ones that are like the Russian films that are yeah. always like the folk tales and stuff, like uh, Jack Frost or uh, I forget what it was. No, it's not called The Magic Sword. It's called something else. Yeah, but it's it's like wasn't about... there? It felt like I felt like there was one that was a Russian movie that was almost kind of Christmassy. That I think was Jack Frost. Okay, but there was another one like about this guy named Ilya Muromets, and he's just like this big guy who fights against Mongols and something like that. Yeah, and that's a kind of film where I fight. Where if I saw that, like if I if I rented it and was just like, hey, let's watch this for a movie night, I would have been like, huh, that was kind of cool. Well, it's funny that you mention that because. I actually watched a special feature on that DVD, and Kevin Murphy on it, I remember, talked about, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff here that's dopey and a little silly, but they're beautiful sets, and, you know, the yeah. Russians really put a lot of work into visual detail, and it's actually very pleasant to look at. Yeah, and they're quite simple, but and, you know, clearly done on the cheap, but, I mean, they, they did their best. Yeah. Uh, the special effects are nothing to write home about, but, I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot of charm to them. Yeah. I... Honestly, I mean, looking back at a lot of these titles, I actually don't think I watched. Uh, yeah, I don't think I watched one of the movies before Mr. Science Theater. Because I mean, like, I think there was a time in my life where I didn't really go out of my way to watch bad movies. Hmm. I mean, there was a time where I only, I only just happened to see a bad movie because it was a Godzilla movie. Uh, but also because I was a young child indeed. and didn't know jack about film. <laughs> And you didn't know. I didn't know about Jack him. about you. There you go, Jack. Um, yeah, the uh, 
Um, oh, another one I was reminded of, Ega. Ega. Watch out for snakes. Who said that? <laughs> Which, for a while, I thought was one of the comments from the, the, the guys, but it was actually a line in the movie. Which is like, why would you watch out for snakes? That's just a random thing to say. Um, but right now, the Kickstarter is going on. Yes, yeah, so... They are almost halfway there. You should check it out. If you... This probably won't come in time. Come out in time for Thanksgiving. They're oh, trying to get to. They're trying to get two point seven five million, where they'll increase the rewards for the people who donate. That's right. And they're trying to get to five point five million. Now, mm-hmm. this is great for two reasons. One, they will make twelve new episodes of Mystery Science yeah, Theater with that. all new movies mm-hmm. and everything else, and the whole new cast. Felicia Day will just act it up, yeah. and then after that. What they're really hoping for is that all the support will show modern television producers that Mystery Science Theater is still relevant. Yeah. And that will encourage them to pick it up again for another, for more seasons in the future. Yeah. And that's really what we're going for at this point. Three episodes is fine. We're going to get that. But Mystery Science Theater is something we can bring back in our lifetime. Hmm. I, I didn't grow up with Mystery Science Theater. I found out about it when I was an adult. To help bring it back... That would be insane for me. Oh yeah, no, believe, that that would be great for me too. I would love to see what you know the new people that they bring on for it. It would be great if maybe uh, you get some really sharp people like uh, Patton Oswalt or Paul F. Tompkins on there to yeah. do commentary as one of the voices. Um, here's a piece of trivia: What was the last movie that ever uh, played Mr. Science Theater? The last one broadcast or the last one in their it was like the their final finale. episode. It was Danger Diabolic. Yeah. By the way, tracked by Ennio Morricone. We kind of, I feel like we neglected to mention that in our last episode about spies. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So our our apologies to all of you listening in the spy episode. All you Danger Diabolic fans. But you were about to say that there was a distinction that there was one, the last one that was aired. The last one that was aired was Merlin's Mystical Shop of Wonders. <laughs> wow. With Ernest Borgnine. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, there are so many titles like I look at with uh, this movie. It's funny that, yeah, Mystery Science Theater was on longer than I even remembered. Yeah. Like, this was on when I was... This was still airing new episodes when I was in high school. Yeah. And, yeah. so I, And I, that's what surprised me. It was going on, like... For most of the 90s. Under your nose. Under my nose, Under yes. your nose without cable. And the way J- Joel described it is when he was talking about this Kickstarter and the way he, uh, he considered it was that he had always thought of it as sort of like a Doctor Who sort of thing. Mm. You know, Doctor Who, every few years you get a new Doctor and he has his own quirks and his own performance and, he, and the actor who does it distinguishes himself. And, you know, Joel was one guy. He he hosted one uh, a great host. Yeah. Mike came along, great host. Yeah. Whether you like one or another is up to you. But he never and he addresses this in his in the Kickstarter notes. He never thought it would be just like a Joel versus Mike sort of thing. That yeah. it would go on longer, and then we would they would eventually have gotten a third host. Yeah, you get different people who get sent up to the satellite of love, and they have to keep. You know, contending with uh, the mad scientists who make them watch the worst movies that they can find. Yeah, and so it's not uh, to think about well, 
who's going to host Joel or Mike. No, it's about who's going to be the new host. Yeah. Not even the new Joel or Mike. Who's going to be the new guy? And just like with Doctor Who, I mean, people may have their preferences for who they like more or or not. Uh, Just like with James Bond. Right. That's all opinion. Yeah. You can have your opinion. Just shut up. I think the point (laughs) is, is that, you know, anybody who tells you that, oh, Joel's not funny, Mike's funny, or Joel's funny, Joel was the only good host. Radio Raheem has some very strong opinions about who's the best mystery science theater host. Two slices. I only listen to Joel. 20 D batteries. (laughs) 20 mother F and D. Count them. 20. So, I don't know. Any, um... I, I just love this show, and I'm glad that it's going to come back. You know, even if we only get a few episodes or not even a full season, at least we'll have something that, you know, the worst thing that could happen is if they somehow tainted it. Like, I, it was it was funny when they brought back Ren and Stimpy briefly hmm. about 10 years ago. It was called Ren and Stimpy's Adult Party. And at the time, I kind of enjoyed it. But then thinking back on it, uh, uh, our, our mutual friend Matt Rosen made a good point when he watched it. He was like, you know, because uh, what happened with the Ren Stimpy adult party, they brought back Ren Stimpy, but they made it as if now we can have all of the dirty jokes and really crass humor that we couldn't have on Nickelodeon. Right. But the problem with that was that what made Ren Stimpy so special on Nickelodeon what was made that... It brilliant. What made it brilliant, thank you, was... That they had to be subversive. They had to the work within the constrictions. Um, and just like with that, I'm, I'm, I guess the worst thing that could happen is if uh, they... I mean, the worst thing that could happen is that it's just not funny. Well, not funny, yeah, that they try too hard for jokes. They need to just keep it focused on, uh, you know, making, you know, clever clips, you know, fo- focusing on... Because let me ask you, what what do you think would distinguish a good riff from a bad riff? Maybe it just comes down to wit. Uh, a good riff is, I think, timeless. Mm. I mean, you can reference certain things, but you can never be too, like, in... It's like, you can't make too many Charlie Sheen jokes, because eventually Charlie Sheen jokes are going to stop being funny. Yeah, whereas something about, like, you mentioned the Antonioni joke. Yes. You know, that that's a kind of reference that... You might, you could argue is esoteric. Oh yeah, it is. But, you know, there's a reason why, I remember on a documentary I watched on Mr. Science Theater, they said, well, you know, a lot these, like, college, like, philosophers, these super brains love Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Like, the most brilliant people in the world will turn on Mystery Science Theater and laugh because it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't be afraid to be... Smart. Esoteric, yeah, it's a smart but comedy can, but series. then you can also make a fart joke anytime anybody bends over. Yeah, I don't really remember many fart jokes in there uh, were Mr. a Science few. Theory. There were a few. I'm sure there were. Those I mean, are a, fine. Fart joke, a, a fart joke can be funny. It depends <laughs> on you know who's farting and what the reference is. I mean, uh, you know, don't have it too much. But uh, I think a lot of it comes down also to you using what's on the screen and finding the attitude for it. I mean, there are times where people are riffing and they're just having fun. Like, 
I'll notice sometimes a common thing with Kevin Murphy. He loves to sing along to stuff. Yes. <laughs> he loves to have like a... This, this is the song written for the train chase. This is the chase. Rocky and Ken. Yeah. He tried... Right. I don't remember the rest of it. He so. tried to kill me with a forklift. All right. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's enough of my reference. Enough of that. So if you want to check out Mystery Science Theater, do so. There are episodes on Netflix. You can check it out on YouTube. It's all over the place. But most importantly, most importantly. check out the Kickstarter. And if you think that you can donate, donate. Or at the least, share it on your social media. Yes. Um, yeah. As of this, as of right now, I'm actually going to be sharing this on the uh facebook page for the wages of cinema now listen the lowest amount you can give is 10 bucks i'm not i'm not encouraging you to give hundreds of dollars but give hundreds of dollars because yeah. seriously we can make this happen yeah there are different there are different levels um but, I mean, but if you can't do that give ten dollars if you yeah. can't give ten dollars if you are poor like yeah. Me. Whereas if you have, although at the most, if you have 10 grand to throw at this thing, then you can actually get a, uh, uh, you get both the, in one of these pack, packages, you get both Crow and Tom Servo robots, and you get all the other things, uh, you can get those robots, you can get, uh, um, oh, you can actually be a writer on an episode. Yeah. Which... I wonder how that's going to work. What if they get somebody who is just not funny? Oh, man. Oh, that will be awkward. They they throw out jokes, and everyone has to stand there like, yeah. <laughs> like, some, like some of the jokes I make on this show. Give what, um, you, give what you can. <laughs> Share it with your friends. Put it on social media. Tweet about it. Yeah, get a bald eagle and have him attach a sign that says Kickstarter. If you have to. Yeah, if you have to. Don't don't torture the bald eagles if you don't have to. But I really want this to happen. I've donated. Uh, and, you know, there are going to be some pretty sweet rewards. But the, be but the best reward we could possibly get is to get 5.5 million, get 12 episodes, maybe, maybe get, to get that television debut again. In the not-too-distant future. That's right. Um, All right, and that wraps it up for tonight. That wraps up the uh, wages of cinema, um, and uh, so you know, what do you think? You're, you you got anything in mind uh, coming up for yourself? I'm not gonna rent any films. You're I'm just gonna, gonna watch what I have. Good. Possibly Princess Kaguya. <laughs> wow, that's a callback, man. You you bought that movie a while ago. I still haven't seen it, and I have it on Blu-ray. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um i have a plan to watch a possibly watch entire saga of films which i have seen they might take place in a galaxy far far away all right so to speak maybe i'll watch those again in preparation for uh uh you know how if they star wars it. he's talking about star wars god damn it that's right it is star wars there's nothing but star wars and maybe we'll get into a Star Wars talk next time. Uh, oh, but wait. One last thing. Uh, next next no, Not next semester. <laughs> <laughs> next semester, you have a test. Yeah. But next episode will be our year, an year anniversary episode. Yeah. So we'll have some good discussion about that. And if you've been listening to us for the past year, thank you. Yes. And you're going to hear a lot of This is a pre... 
anniversary thank you that we're going to give to you because without you what is the point of us yeah what is the point of jack what yeah what is why am i human without you you give jack humanity i can't live if living is without you right all right in song so with that said uh i'm jack and i'm andrew and remember the wages of cinema is death have a great